0: What's
1: new? How is the world you? My name is Ed Peters, and I welcome you to What's New. We return today to our study on the Lord's Prayer as recorded by Matthew in chapter six, verses nine to thirteen of his gospel. Our study today will be on the first petition here in this model prayer the final phrase of verse 9, which reads, Hallowed be your name. Perhaps a more correct translation might read, Let your name be made holy. The name of God stands for God, for all that God is. So we ask the question, in just what way can you and I make the name of God holy? This can be accomplished by the way that we live our lives. A good example of this can come from the life of Abraham. When Abraham went down into the land of Canaan, the people noticed that they had a new neighbor, for they had seen his altar. Everywhere that Abraham went, he built an altar to God. And when Abraham began to do business with the Canaanites, they found him to be an honest man. They found that everything Abraham said invited their confidence Finally, they reached the conclusion that the God whom Abraham served was a holy God. And Abimelech said to Abraham in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 21, God is with you in everything you do. The entire life of Abraham revealed the reverence that he felt for God. Surely the name of God was made holy in Canaan because of Abraham. Now, here once again is verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, and it reads, Pray along these lines. Our Father in heaven, we honor your holy name.
0: Praise to the Father, praise to the Son, praise to the Spirit free.
2: here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. For the past four programs, I have focused on the Lord's Prayer. Actually, it is a prayer that the Lord gave His disciples as a model, as a pattern. It's not a prayer that He Himself prayed. That's recorded in John 17. The disciples wanted Him to teach them to pray, so this was His response. Matthew records it in chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. I've spoken about the first line of the prayer which reads, Our Father in Heaven. Our God is not a tyrant or an ogre, but a loving Father, so different from the pagans' concept of gods. Theirs were human creations. In a sense, our God is the Father of all humans, He is the Creator. And in that sense, He is Father. But in that sense only can we speak about the fatherhood of God of all mankind. By redemption, he is the father only of those who received the life of Christ, God's Son, our Savior. We humans so easily cheapen the idea of the fatherhood of God by sentimentalizing it and suggesting that every person will go someday to be with Father God. We say God is my father and he will forgive or overlook my sin. He does act like human fathers. He looks the other way. He's big daddy in the sky. Perhaps that's why Jesus suggests the next phrase here. Today I want to cover that second line, hallowed be your name. God is father, but God is holy. I'll come back to that word in a moment. Here is where worship prayer begins. It begins with reverence for God's name, His person. Prayer does not begin with requests for His provision. Most of us pray selfishly. We begin with requests for our needs and those of our families. No, prayer ought to begin with an expression of reverence for God's person. Worship ought to begin with reverence for God's person. We will never have on this side of eternity a full understanding of God, but we know enough to reverence Him. God is in every way bigger than we think He is. Our wildest imaginations can't do enough. Our understanding of Him needs to grow and grow and grow. In that way, our adoration, reverence, praise, and celebration can grow too. I say again, our God is much bigger than we think He is. A big God is important, too, because it will affect how we view our own problems and needs. A proper view and knowledge of God will help us immeasurably to deal with life and its needs and problems. When Job was given advice by his four friends, nothing they could say helped. They gave all kinds of advice. But it did absolutely nothing for Job. It only frustrated him. Then at the close of the book, called Job, God came. What did God say to this sufferer? Did he explain to Job what happened, how Satan challenged him? No. God tells Job who he, God, is. When Job sees God, he's satisfied. God never informed Job why all these things happened to him. He didn't answer any of Job's why questions. But he got a new understanding of how big God really was, and that satisfied him. He didn't need his why questions answered anymore. He got a better view of God, and he could trust him. His friends had too small a God. Their God was too limited, too fallible. And so they had no answers that came even close to satisfying Job. Not until God paints Job a picture of himself did Job begin to see what he needed to see, God, and not an answer to why. Our God is incomparable. That's what hallowed or holy means. It means entirely different, separate, or perhaps the best one is unique. So when Jesus told his disciples to pray, Hallowed be your name, he wasn't saying that they should pray that God might become holy, but that he might be treated as holy by them and by others. While God is our Father, that does not give us license to treat him with contempt like some children treat their earthly fathers. God is holy, absolutely unique. He can't be compared with any other, So Jesus tells his disciples to reverence the person of God in their prayers and in their worship. That's first. That's primary. Nothing precedes that. So here's the first line of the prayer which Jesus suggested as a model for his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first word, our, suggests that we're now in community, Members of a body called the church. We're not alone. The word Father expresses a family relationship and expresses all the intimacy that that suggests. In Heaven emphasizes His perspective, power, transcendence, and sovereignty. And Hallowed Be Your Name challenges us to reverence His person. I try to take this part of the model prayer seriously. I make a conscious effort to begin my prayers with a statement or two about God's person. We are far too prone to begin with our needs, and our prayers become selfish expressions of individualism. So Jesus suggested to the disciples that prayer begin with a commitment to God's person. Tomorrow I'll focus on the next line, which reads, Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That speaks of our commitment to God's program.
0: you